Hello out there and welcome to another edition of VK Office Hours. I am Kevin, your host today. With me, Ray is not going to be with us today. He has uh, something else more important to do. But joining us today is one of our favorite clients and one of the hottest entrepreneurs around Dallas, Matt Alexander. Matt, welcome to VK Office Hours. Thanks so much for having me. So it's a real pleasure to have Matt, and this is something that we intend to do in the coming months is to interview some of the entrepreneurs around town or really around the country that we know or that we represent to ask them some questions that may be relevant to you, the listening audience. And by all means, please do email us these questions or uh, you can hit us on Twitter. Our email address is podcasts at VelaKeller.com or Twitter follows at VelaKeller. So we're lucky enough to have Matt Alexander with us. He is the founder and the president of Need. Matt, why don't you explain what Need is? Uh, Need is kind of like a hybrid between a men's magazine and a retailer. So rather than selling hundreds of products on an indefinite sort of uh, or seasonal basis, we sell 10 to 12 products at a time um, each month, and they're presented in the form of like an editorial narrative. So they they fit the time of year, a very specific type of customer, and so forth. So we work with about 100 and something different brands, and we pull together uh, these great little collections that are often exclusive to us in terms of the products we carry, and we sell them for about a month. Okay. Outstanding. Now, Matt, I think there's a lot of things we could discuss. <coughs> We've been working together for a couple of years now, and I think as far as a startup goes, you've experienced a tremendous amount of success. So there's really a lot of interesting topics, I think, that we could share and that our listeners want to hear. But I just want to talk broadly today about the inception of the business. Tell me a little bit about what the steps were you took even before you and I had met and when you were ready to incorporate the business, you know, from a thought process, from a planning standpoint, from even just a creativity standpoint, or what got you motivated or excited to do it. How long did that take? What steps did you take? And then when did you know you were ready to actually launch the business? Uh, so at the time, I was working as sort of an independent consultant. I had had a, quite a successful website and podcast and all that sort of stuff. And I uh, had always had this desire to start my own company, but I wasn't quite ready to do so yet, just purely because I didn't have the right idea. Um, and so rather than rushing into that, I thought I'd work with other people with interesting ideas to help them along in their process, um, see what I could contribute, and see what I could provide to them in terms of structure, and in that process learn a lot myself. Um, somewhere along that sort of uh, road, I came across the idea for Need. Um, we had already met at the time and uh, through my sort of consultancy sort of years or year. And uh, you had always just sort of said, you know, whenever the idea came about and whenever the timing was right, that I should, you know, come to you with something I had. And so I had uh, been working with a few different companies in a similar sort of uh, fashion, sort of e-commerce sort of space and had a little bit of um, inspiration for different ways to operate in that industry um, and how to do some things you know, somewhat differently and how to um, you know, contribute something in a more sustainable and interesting manner than what I felt a lot of other people were doing. And so I was in London and I was still working with a few different clients and um, I was in a meeting with a German venture capitalist and I threw out this idea and he immediately lit up about it. And it wasn't a meeting to talk about funding or anything. It was just more that we had a friendship. And uh, seeing someone that was unfamiliar with the space light up about an idea 
um, was kind of a triggering mechanism to realize that I had come across the idea that I'd been waiting to have that was going to be the first company I wanted to go about pursuing. And so what I did was, rather than just sort of immediately rushing off and writing a deck and trying to raise money, I, uh, I took some time and did a lot of market research. And I thought about doing it as a London-specific entity. Um, and I just emailed a lot of good people in Dallas that I had been working with infrequently and uh, sort of said, you know, I'm, I'm sort of playing with this idea. I, d I don't necessarily know exactly the gravity of and the extent of what I have right now or exactly how much money I need to raise. So I just went to people who are much smarter than I am on that sort of end of the spectrum to see what they could do to give me guidance. And so I came to you, and I went to people like Trey Bowles, um, and I went to my uh, one of our German investors, or now investors, um, to just talk to them a little bit about what the idea was and to gain a little bit of guidance as to how I should be positioning this, what sort of funds I should be raising, and what sort of things I should be aware of. And so I came back to Dallas, and you and I met on January 1st, 2013, and you said, you know, I think if you went after this idea, you could have it funded by um, the end of the month. And I took a few weeks to sort of go through you know, a more intense thought process about whether or not I should be doing that. And uh, when I decided to, we sort of sat down with some, some great angels from town, and that was really that. We went from sort of pitching to incorporated within a matter of days. Now, I think people probably listen to this who are from the area see what's going on in Dallas. There's a tremendous amount of momentum right now in the city for angel and early stage investing. And I think early 2013 was really the forefront of that. We were just kind of right place, right time, where we had a, a fantastic concept, a, a brilliant entrepreneur, and then we got in front of the right people to raise the money. We were able to raise the money pretty quickly. But I do think that you're seeing more and more stories like that here in Dallas. Back to this, you being ready to do this, Matt. What about financially or emotionally? How did you prepare yourself for taking this launch into, you know, really a, a very minuscule salary for for the first months? And the help that you were doing consulting work before, so you're kind of already in this in this mode where you had to produce your own income. Yeah, so I think what kind of helped was that I had been in a corporate job, and while I was there, you know, I found myself writing a website and putting out a podcast and all that sort of stuff, and gaining a little bit more presence in that world. And I essentially went through the process of um, building myself up to the point that I felt comfortable with leaving just purely from a psychological perspective. There was no monetary safety net or anything of that nature. I left and went into something because I really believed in doing it, which was you know, being involved in the media and telling interesting stories. Um, and I did that not for the virtue of the money, but for the virtue of the concept of doing that with my life. And uh, the consultancy aspect came along as a sustainable means for me to you know, remain afloat for those few months. And, you know, that comes in peaks and troughs. There'll be months where I wouldn't earn anything and there'll be a month where I'd earn like 50% of the salary I used to earn my corporate job in a month. Um, so by the end of the year, you know, I knew I was after an idea, but there was no semblance of preparation or anything like that. And I think it's probably true for a lot of people. I kind of stripped myself psychologically and emotionally down to the very bare bones and it was around that sort of point when I worked out um, I had an idea somewhere in me that was very much the manifestation and uh, evolution of this sort of idea of doing stuff in the media and so I didn't really have anything to lose at that point um, you know I was young and single and didn't have any kids or anything to look after so I was fortunate in that respect 
But from a purely psychological um, perspective, it was it was much more um, that I was at a very fertile and ideal point to go off and do something risky. And so I just went off and, and did it. And there wasn't really... I, I think I think there's a, a tendency for a lot of people to overthink this sort of thing or try to find safety where there is none and coerce themselves into believing there's this illusion of um, having a safety net and there never is going to be when you're starting a business. So I think it's best just to be very honest with yourself and know that you're going to go into something that's going to really sort of um, take you on an emotional roller coaster and that's not going to have any financial security. And you just have to do it for the virtue of, the, you know, the reason I left my corporate job in the first place and wound up doing this, which is being really passionate about doing something. And you do it because you believe you want to do it for the next 10 years. It's not just something you want to do and then sell or anything like that. You just have to be passionate. Okay, so let's follow up on that. Tell me about a few of the surprises of running your own business, running a startup, maybe because it's a startup here in Dallas, it's a startup in general. What are some, let's talk about both sides, positive and negative. So what are, the, what are some of the positive surprises you've had? And I don't just even mean, Matt, from a, pers- from a business standpoint, but also maybe from a personal standpoint. Talk a little bit about that. Well, so, I mean, at this point, Need is uh, 10 months old. Um, and 10 months old from being incorporated or launching uh, the business. From launching. Right. So it's, it's closer to two years old in terms of its full genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that time... Um, I, I think it's better to focus on the why of things than the what of things. And so the why of things, for me, I think what it really boils down to and one of the reasons why I'm most comfortable with this business is because, you know, I think deep down I'm probably looking for a lot of, um, you know, I'm looking for people to ratify my ideas and my ability as someone that tells, you know, stories effectively. And whether that's through selling products or putting out really great photography or whatever it is, that's what it really boils down to. And what's happened on a very successful uh, basis since we've gone out into this public realm is, you know, beyond the revenue and beyond the user signups, the big thing has been endorsements from people in the industry. So we were just out at um, Fashion Week, and I never envisioned myself going to the fashion industry, but as soon as we were sort of dancing around being in it, there's this tendency in a lot of startups to sort of look at incumbent sort of uh, whether they're realities or companies or personalities in a particular um, area as roadblocks to change. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't believe that all this has to be particularly zero-sum. I think that uh, need can live alongside a lot of other ideas. So going out to Fashion Week and being around these people that that have really good and interesting uh, perspectives about the fashion industry and being in front of them and then them suddenly ratifying need as a concept and sort of saying, you know what, like this does tell a story really well. And seeing brands come to us and sort of say like, um, we've never seen our product, like our first month last year, um, the managing director of Filson, which is, you know, a hundred and something year old company, um, sent me an email and we'd been out for a few days and he said, I don't think our products have ever looked better than this. And like having that sort of immaterial... Um, feeling has is, is been really important for me and having people in the media sort of come alongside the idea and have people in a community in Dallas really rally behind it and you know regardless of whether anyone cares about um, fashion or buying any of this stuff um, people have really sort of gravitated towards the idea and have, yeah I, th- I think it's just sort of this everything being ratified I think that's a big thing for me 
and that's happened in the past year or so. Outstanding, outstanding. What other things, you know, pop to the top of your mind when uh, when I say what have been some of the pleasant surprises of, of running a startup? Um, so more recently, we've had the opportunity to start building a team out. The company has sort of reached a point of maturity to which we can support having a few people there. Um, and so for the longest time, need was just me. I was writing handwritten notes and packing products at the same time as I was ordering for the next month as well as, you know, um, trying to raise money. Um, and it was just so simple. And we had this whole illusion that there were a bunch of people there, but it was really just me. And now there are a bunch of people. We're sort of at about seven now, um, and we're growing. And uh, having people there that um, are really passionate about the idea and about working there is kind of an amazing feeling going from when it was just me and I knew that I was doing something that would work eventually, um, however stubborn or blind I was being. And suddenly it is working and there's other people coming in and they really want to have a, an impact and they want to feel accountable over it and they're given the opportunity to do so. And so having those people come in and take ownership over the idea and take ownership over the, it, the process and the photography and all this sort of stuff that you know used to be my little bastion of control is now shared with a lot of other people. And so having them out there being proud about something, you know, the need is less my company now. It's much more of, uh, it belongs to quite a few people from our investors and our advisors to, you know, all the people that work there now. And that's a really, really amazing thing to see. That's great, Matt. <clears throat> what about, what are some of the obstacles or difficulties that you didn't expect? Um, big one that came up, or I think it probably happens for a lot of people, is, you know, back, you know, December 2012, and I was starting to think about this idea, the last thing that came to mind that I would have to worry about was running, like, HR. And so, you know, we've gone for, from this process where, you know, fortunately we can have a team, and we can focus on growing, and we can start thinking about things like growing internationally and, like, you know, drastically increasing the amount we're selling, and that's, and that's all fantastic. But the logistics behind growth... Um, are complicated, um, and so going from going from a one or two person team to a team of like you know four or five full time salaried people is it, it's something that takes up a huge amount of my day. And so we just moved into like a four thousand square foot office, and it used to be that we were in a co working space, and I didn't have to worry so much about culture or environment or anything like that. And now I have to worry about do these people fit with the general sort of tone and cadence of the company? Like, do, are they getting any benefits? Did they actually get paid on time? And more often than not, they didn't. <laughs> and, and so, like, actually having to man maintain all that sort of stuff where it used to be just very automatic. Now I have to um, – it, it's, it's a much more intentional thing. And so I used to refuse to call myself the CEO or anything like that because it felt really, really, really um, embarrassing because it was a company of one person. <laughs> And now I actually don't mind it because these days uh, that is much more of the role I'm starting to play. Uh, we're sort of having a, someone come on more as an operational sort of person to help because my problem, as I'm discovering, is that I'm kind of an ideas person and I can execute those. Um, but the problem is that I work at a different pace than some other people and they work at a different pace than me. And um, so I'll sort of suddenly decide that we're going to open a pop-up shop as well as do New York Fashion Week as well as, you know, build out a new idea. And I'll just sort of come out of my office and announce it to the whole room, and I'm looking at it as, like, this great sort of challenging thing, and we're going to go do it, and, and we will do it. And I have to worry about translating that to people so they don't feel completely overwhelmed. There's more work now. Working like, 24 hours a day for the next two months. 
So that's been a big challenge. That's great feedback, Matt. Matt really uh, re- very insightful. And that's something we've talked about here in some of the earlier podcasts. Just growth is hard. You know, man, we're a small business here too. And we've gone through that thing. Adding people is difficult because they need a desk and they need a computer and they need business cards. And then you have to put them on payroll. And people don't understand that when you put someone on payroll, the government or your payroll provider will take out money to cover their taxes, but you have to pay additional, initial 10% roughly, employer taxes on top of that. So there's a lot of unexpected things out there. And the culture is a huge one. You know, anytime you run a small business, you want to be very proud of your culture and have people really buy in and feel that they can take ownership of it. But if they don't fit or they don't like it, then it can make things very difficult, not only for them, but for other people. So I really appreciate that input, Matt. It's been really interesting. I think we'll follow up on these Maybe we'll get some uh, some input from our listeners out there. But I'd love to really make, start to break it down into let's talk about marketing, let's talk about your future, let's talk about raising money. I do want to end with one last question. Now, you're probably well regarded as one of the most fashionable, sophisticated people in startups here in, in Dallas. I think you were in uh, you were featured in a in a window at Neiman Marcus for a couple of months, right, earlier this year. So just to be clear, for those people out there, they can't see what's going on here, but are you wearing sweatpants with saddlebucks? Is that what this so, is? Yeah, so these are actually becoming a thing. <laughs> uh, they're, they're called joggers. Okay. And they're made of just chinos, but with like an elastic cuff at the ankle. And uh, they're very comfortable. And they're actually, so like I, for Fashion Week, I wore these with like a blazer uh-huh. and a t-shirt. It's a thing now. And very well received. Oh, yeah, it's great. Okay, I think Ron Burgundy called them joggers, <laughs> the joggers. But Matt, looking sharp as always. Really appreciate you coming in, Matt, and hope we can do this again. Oh, thanks for having me.